Simmons. Fly ball, shallow left. Back is Cosmo. He'll take it. He'll call. Oh, it's going to drop. It falls. Miscommunication. And the bases are loaded, and Box can't believe it. They're calling it an infield fly rule. Welcome into Enfield Fly, Ben, Blake, JD, as always, joined today by a very special guest. He's been a patron of Enfield Fly since the start. We finally got a chance to get him on, and we're going to interview him a little bit later. Uh, but Mr. Justin Pinkson joining us today. What episode is this, Blake? 37? 37. 37. We're back, sec, uh, second or third, second of the regular season, third of MLB 2020. Got a lot of good stuff to talk about today, but before we get into it, what's going on, guys? JD, I know you got a, a game later. How about the yep. rest of you? Well, I just want to say welcome to Pinky. He's been begging to get on a podcast, I think, since day one. Um, but it's, yep. it's good to have him on. We're going to roast him a little bit earlier, so maybe <laughs> – Maybe he'll come back. Maybe not. But uh, yeah. Braves fan. It's always good to add a Braves fan to the podcast. True. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I have been watching since the birth of this podcast. So, giving us a lot of good ideas throughout. Indeed. So, hey, what's going uh, on with you? You asking me? Yeah, you. What's going on? I'm in about half my baseball uniform. Um, Got a got a big game tonight, second round of the playoffs. Win tonight, we're in the championship. So, big game, laser focused. Except for doing this podcast beforehand, then I'll be like laser focused. But, it's just uh, to get you in the baseball mindset. You're preparing yourself mentally right now. That's what you're doing. I'm always in a baseball mindset, Blake. Yeah. Never leave. Never leaves it. Always there. Yeah, I got a few corrections though to add since I was the one that screwed these up from last week uh, on the, or last two weeks. So, uh, new segment day in baseball history. Uh, everything that happened that I said happened, it did happen on August seventh, not sixth. Um, I just said the wrong day, but it was the day after the pod. Did JD? We talked about Degrom. I said I think he was a free agent at the end of the year. No, he's still got three more years of. His contract, I think he has a club option on the fourth year. Um, and one update, last week we talked about the unused MLB jersey numbers. Well, after this week, now we're down to one. 89 is the only jersey number that's not been used. Yep. And that almost guarantees that it will be used pretty soon. So that's all we screwed up last week. We'll surely have more to add to the next pod of what I screwed up this week. For sure. But let's go ahead and hop into some, uh, I guess, headlines from MLB. Uh, as of right now, the 20th, you listen to this, it'll be the 21st. But um, right now, guys, there may not be a hotter team in baseball than the Oakland Athletics. Me and Blake talked about it a couple nights ago. I said, maybe this is the year. This is the year Billy Bean finally cracks through for a World Series. But they're out front in the AL West. Uh, Tampa Bay has leapt ahead of the Yankees after sweeping them this week. They're leading the East, Minnesota, and Cleveland in a tight battle in the Central, followed very closely by the White Sox. And then in the National League, you got the Braves pulled ahead of Miami. The Cubs are still leading the Central by a wide margin. 
And the Dodgers, to no one's surprise, have the best record in all of baseball at 8-8, eight and eight, standing ahead in the NL West. <clears throat> yeah, so what do you guys think about the standing so far? It's, it's almost starting to play out just like we thought it would. I think so. If you look back at our predictions in the preseason, if it wasn't for those two additional wild card slots, J.D., we would be screwed right now. We both pick Oakland with the fourth wild card slot. Did, in the American I picked League. them to win the West, didn't I? You did. Yeah, keep rubbing that in. Go ahead. <laughs> um, but just checking. Uh, we're you know we're gonna do we're gonna do power rankings here in a little bit. So I'll I'll go more in depth with you know what the A's are doing. But they're fourteen and four in their last eighteen games. They had like a ten game win streak, nine game win streak early on, earlier on in the season. Uh, Yankees, man, they have – Judge is going to come back in their next game Saturday, hopefully. Uh, they got their game tonight postponed. Uh, Stanton on the I.L., LeMahieu on the I.L. Pinkson, you sent the, the tweet about Paxton has an MRI. He's probably headed to the I.L. And then I mm-hmm. saw also – I haven't really looked into this more, but now Glaber Torres is dealing with an injury as well. So you're talking about, you know, four position players that – are on the I.L. Thankfully, Clint Frazier has come up and really turned things on. Hit a homer in his first at-bat of the year against the Braves and Haskell Yanoa. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'll leave it to you guys as far as the standings go. But we're about a third of the way through, so I feel like we've got a big enough sample size to really see what we've got in the division so far. Yeah, I mean, uh, the uh, I feel like one of the only – closer races are is the uh, NL East and it's uh like you I know I'll give you credit here you said the Marlins would be much improved that's kind of played out and I think they're sitting at nine and nine right now right at 500 game and a half out um so that that race is a little bit closer uh than I would like as a Braves fan but um, at least the Nationals and uh, Phillies are, are behind the Marlins. So that gives me a little bit of comfort. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the A's have, have been on fire here lately. Um, I just, you know, going through the past couple of years, you know, they've been off and on, you know, season by season. So I figured this would be a down year for them. But, um, you know, they the, – they're really good about showing their organizational depth, and uh, I, I, I feel like they got a good manager over there in Melvin. So, um, and and the Rays are, uh, I, I I did say at the beginning of the year the Rays, you did would compete with the Yankees for that top spot. We'll see how it turns out. I mean, the Yankees can't catch a break with these injuries. I don't know. I guess everybody's too swole over there, and they just two years in a row. Bigger, well, the bigger the muscle, the the more they get hurt, I guess. I don't know. Well, JG, real quick to interject. You know, we talked about our manager of the year picks. I picked Boone. Um, and you said you didn't see a scenario where he would win it unless something like last year happened again. Well, it's kind of playing right into his hands, too. I mean, and especially in a shortened season when you're losing guys for 15, 20, 30 games, if you can still somehow manage to get that team to win the division – on top of the Rays being a very rejuvenated ball club, I, I I feel pretty good about that pick. I really do. I think, you know, with Garrett Cole still being there, that's that's not a guaranteed win every fifth start, but you're putting yourself at about a 70% shot, especially as good as he's been late. I know he gave up a couple, couple of homers uh, last night, I think it was, but still you're going to depend on him 
more times than not. Mm-hmm. So, so Pinkson, you got anything to throw out there before we get rolling along as far as where the standings are? I know you're a Braves fan, so uh, you feel pretty comfortable in the NL East, I think, with the Phillies. they got a lot of questions in their bullpen. Yeah, the, the AL seems to be more, I don't know, separated than the NL. That's fair. Like, like you look at the NL, a lot of the teams, I mean, you've got – in the East, you got the Braves and the Marlins above 500 Central. You got the Cubs and the Brewers, and you get all the way down to the West, and you've got every team except for the Giants that are sitting above 500. So there's no telling what could happen down there. But the Dodgers are out in front, like y'all said. So I felt like it's going to be exciting to watch how the NL plays out. Yeah, AL the AL is a lot more top heavy. It has mm, been for, for a couple years now, but yeah. Uh, let's see what other headlines we got here. Uh, the Seeger brothers going yard in the first time they get to play against each other with the new, the new interleague play for the season. That's pretty neat. Um, White Sox have been, they've been <laughs> hot lately because this weekend when they played the cards, they were hovering around 500 and now they're three games over and they have been mashing. I came in Sunday. I went to the grocery store. I left the game on. And I came in as soon as they hit the first of back-to-back-to-back-to-back home runs. I was putting my groceries away while I was happening, and every time I turned around, someone was circling the bases. I was like, oh, Mark, this is horrible. It's like a record stuck on repeat. Now you know what it's like to watch Mike fulton pitch. (laughs) (laughs) That is facts. Guys, we have to talk about this guy because he is absolutely becoming – one of the best players in baseball and the face of baseball. I love Mike Trout, but the guy is so quiet and not outspoken and not as marketable as Fernando Tatis Jr. He is absolutely electric, leading the league in home runs, RBIs, runs scored, stolen bases. Have I forgotten anything, Blake? Uh, 3-0 Grand Slams. 3-0 oh. Grand Slams. And we're going to talk about unwritten rules here yeah. in a few minutes. Uh, other, other teams pissed off at him. That's another one. Yeah, he's I mean, definitely he is, leading the way there. He's amazing. And he's having an unbelievable 2020 so far. Uh, the Padres, to me, are maybe the most fun team to watch outside of watching your own team right now. Yeah, so, I mean, you talk about Tatis right now. As of last night, now there's been some game a game played earlier today, but I don't think it would have affected it that much. But like you said, leading the league in ML or leading MLB in home runs, stolen base, RBIs, and runs, and that is a little teaser for one of our trivia questions we're going to have later. Um, I I think he would be the first person to ever lead in all four categories. That's not the trivia question, by the way. It's something connected to that. Um, But I did want to say something about the Seager brothers homering in the same game. It's the first time that two brothers have homered for opposing teams in the same game since Cesar and Felipe Crespo did it for the Padres and Giants on June 7, 2001. Another teaser for a trivia question coming later on. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready for trivia. I liked that last week. You guys have anything on uh, Fernando Tatis right now? Uh, I mean, he's on one of those streaks that uh, seems like everything thrown up there, he, he's sending it's it back over ball. the wall. Yeah, I mean, 
He locked in. Um, He's like JD in men's baseball league, right? Basically, that's, that's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> not Sluggy's quite, not as high. I, I would say he's running away with the NL MVP, but I think I feel like Mookie's still uh, in striking distance there. Mookie's uh, he's had a really well. good twenty twenty. Yeah, he's, he's, I think he's got eight homers, so he's right behind Tatis there. Um, so yeah, Fernando Tatis, face of the franchise, and um, I know we'll get to unwritten rules here in a minute, but it seems like the franchise won't back him right now. Kind of like what the Braves did with Acuna. Oh, oh man, so, don't get me started. I gotta save it. I gotta save it. <laughs> I love that he stole third up like 406 <laughs> yes. the very next night. Like, I'm all about that. And uh, I, I will say a stat that I found today. So okay. we know that Chris Woodward uh, was complaining about him with the 3-0. Well, there's some funny stats that I found. So Chris Woodward, in 659 games that he played, he hit 33 home runs. And currently, at the, he says 33 home runs, 108 games played. But that's not the crazy stat. So, Woodward only has one grand slam in his career and is in the ninth inning when his team was up six on August 20th of 2004. But his count was one and two. So, but still, I mean, Atisa's grand slam was August 18th, two days apart and 16 years. But yeah, how how dare he hit a grand slam, you know, with his team up? That's that's cool, man. I I I did some, I tried to do some research because, uh, Keith Hernandez was oh my moaning about oh. it on the Mets broadcast the other night. Um, but I was Hernandez, trying to save it. I'm getting huh? fired up. I'm getting angry. I'm trying to save it for the. And I tell you what, I tell you a guy that I've I've gained a lot of respect for here lately. I don't know how y'all feel. Um, he's on a lot of postseason broadcasts. Ron Darling. I mean, the guy. He's on MLB Central in the mornings sometimes. Uh, but I I really like the way that guy calls the game. Um, he's very calm. He doesn't get too riled up. He's he's at the beginning of this podcast. If you listen to the the intro, he is. Uh, he agrees that was not an infield fly call. He 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 was too deep. He wasn't camp. <laughs> so, but even yeah. Cardinals fans. <laughs> Keith Hernandez, another clown trying to ruin the game. But like I said, we got a whole segment on unwritten rules. We'll <sighs> we do. Anyway. Any yeah. other any other headlines things you guys want to Astros, talk about? Astros, man. I mean, they're <laughs> they're close to being in a dangerous we talk situation. About the we haven't talked about them in two weeks. They yep. they got to be sweating. Altuve under well under two hundred. All those guys are are really scuffling right now. No JV. Jordan, no Jordan out, for the year. out for the season. And and as good as Oakland's been playing, yeah, I think the Astros are definitely. Uh, they're definitely they're sweating, sweating it out, it out for sure, especially with this hot start with Oakland's got. I mean, I, I see a scenario where Oakland gets a big enough lead to where it doesn't really matter what the Astros well, do down the stretch. They played a series this past weekend, I guess, and Oakland looked far and away like the better of the two teams. Well, they are. They just are. Yeah. Um, so. But one other thing, I, <clears throat> I saw an article on MLB.com. Xander Bogart's trade is – Canaan, not any like any steam, but it's definitely being talked about because uh, he's he signed a six year, $120 million extension that runs from uh, I think he has an option in, on the last year in 2026. Um, and you think about some of the free agents that are hitting 
this offseason. $20 million for a guy of Xander Bogart's caliber seems to be a pretty reasonable price. But what I liked about this uh, contract that he signed is he gets a full no-trade protection once he reaches seven years of service time. Uh, well, he's going to reach seven years of service time on September 6th. So that's why this, this whole article is talking about if there was ever a time to trade Bogarts, it might be right now. While he uh, doesn't really have a hand in the, in the deal, they could trade him wherever they wanted to for whatever they wanted to, essentially. So, oh, God. Yeah. Red Sox. Any, any shortstop needing teams, Yankees, uh, could potentially try to buy in on, on Bogarts here. No way, though, the Yankees. There's no the way Sox they would trade, trade him to the Yankees. But they are a team that needs a shortstop so they can put Glaber back at a second if he's even healthy. But, um, you know, I can't even think of a team that would pay that price right now for Bogarts that comes to mind. But he's available, apparently. No. Anything else on um, any anything notable that's happened in the past couple of weeks that you guys want to talk about before we hit a break real quick? Uh, the White Sox, you talked about the back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back home runs. <laughs> uh, they actually went back-to-back to, back to lead off versus Matt yes. Boyd Monday. That's the second time they have went back-to-back <clears throat> against him this year. First time that's ever happened. Um, but that's about it. They hit bombs in bunches. JD, Justin, you got anything else you want to add? Good. Free Joe Kelly. That's Free. all I got to say. Free Joe Kelly, Team Bauer, baby. All right, we're going to hit a quick break. And when we get back, we're talking about those unwritten rules. We got to talk about them. They've been in the headlines all week. Talking about those unwritten rules. Which ones are we okay with breaking? Stick with us, and we will be right back after this. back into infield fly we're going to talk about unwritten rules in a few minutes but right now we're going to get into some power rankings we want to get this in before uh mr parker has to go hit some bombs for his baseball team and carry him on on the little league field yeah still counts still counts he's using that orange stealth from the marine school red voodoo (laughs) but uh let's talk about uh we've talked about the headlines let's talk about top five right now in MLB, NLAL power rankings, okay? I don't know about you guys. Um, I'm just going to start one to five. Number one right now, Los Angeles Dodgers. They're too deep. Uh, They got too much pitching, too much depth. They're perfectly built for a DH in the NL. And besides that, I don't – yeah, the Padres are fun, but I don't think the NL West has any team right now that can hang with the Dodgers. Uh, number two for me has got to be the hottest team in baseball, the Oakland A's right now, playing great ball. That infield, I know Simeon hasn't been hitting very much, but Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, great. Ramon Laureano starting fires in the dugout, trying to take on the whole Astros <laughs> team by himself. Uh, they're my number two team. Number three for me, 
I got to go with probably maybe the second hottest team in baseball after a sweep of New York, the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, Brendan Lowe, player of the week in, I think, this past week. Wow. Brendan Lau, excuse me. <laughs> Nate, Nate Lowe. Nate Brendan Lowe, Brendan Lau. Yeah, I'm sorry. But player of the week, I believe. Hey, uh, all the listeners know Ben struggles with pronunciation of dude, names. I struggle dude. with pronunciation of words. He struggles with pronunciation of names. So it's it's fair. We'll give him Brendan, a break. He's from Moore County. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, so Tampa Bay coming in at number three for me. Number four, I got to go with the Minnesota Twins. Okay, just smashing baseballs right now. Uh, hopefully they can get the pitching back on track. It's not been great so far, um, but they, they're in a tight battle with the uh, Indians and the White Sox right now. And then number five, I can't put the Cubs in my power rankings. I'm sorry, I just can't. So number five, I'm going to go with the New York Yankees. I know they're dealing with a lot of injuries right now. They can get some of those guys healthy again. They will be very dangerous because even with the injuries, they're still staying right there with Tampa at the top of the American League. So those are my power rankings. What about you guys? You, you scared me there for a second, Ben. I thought you were just going to read off mine there in the in the notes <laughs> section. The first two, the same. Uh, Dodgers, they're too deep. Uh, they're the deepest team in baseball. I mean, I just thought about the Justin Turner story and how he's 35 and he's one of the best hitters on that team at that age. Um, obviously, it was Mookie. They're pitching. I thought their pitching might be a question mark. Yeah. Um, go, going into this year, but you know, Dustin May showed flashes. Uh, I know Walker Bueller struggled a little bit to start the season, but we know what we're going to get with him. Um, Kershaw's looked good. Um, let's see. As of Wednesday, this is when I typed out these notes. They had won seven in a row. Um, Bellinger struggling to start the year off, but uh, uh, Corey Seager. I mean, the Bounce guy's back. slugging. He's gonna. He might win comeback player of the year right now. The guy is, is on fire, slugging over 600. Him and Mookie both slugging over 600. Matt, Max Muncy, I mean, they just got all kinds of guys throughout that lineup, one to eight, one to nine, that you have to fear. Um, like you said, A's at number two. I don't think it's particularly close between one and two, but the A's, for, like I said earlier, 14 to four in their last 18. Um, with the Astros kind of struggling right now, I really think they could run away with this division early on. Number three, I put this out there before more injury news broke about the Yankees, but I'm going to stick to it because I, I trust Aaron Boone. I trust Garrett Cole and that bullpen to carry a lot of the weight. The Yankees are kind of like the Dodgers. I mean, they get Mike Ford, Mike Tockman, Gio Urshela, Luke Voigt, they just get guys that no one's really heard a whole lot about and they come out and they produce for them. So I, I don't know if that's sustainable over, even over a 60-game season, but, you know, with Judge coming back this weekend um, and Stanton and DJ LeMahieu are supposed to come back hopefully in early September, which is just a couple weeks away, I still like the Yankees there. Number three, number four, I will put the Cubs in my top five because they absolutely deserve it. Um, even with Bryant and Baez not having a great start to the year, they're pitching. We all question their pitching, their starting pitching coming into the year. Could you, Darvish, have a bounce back? They have arguably right now the best numbers-wise, probably the best pitching in the entire league. 
Starting it, pitching. Their bullpen starting is pitching. not that's very That's fair. Good. Except for Kimbrough yesterday, but that's fair. Um, so this is a little stat bomb for you right here. So they're not a big strikeout <laughs> rotation. They're 20th no. in K-9 right now in the major league majors in K-9, but they're first in BB-9 at 1.8 walks per nine innings for starters. They're second in FIP at 3.25, and they're third behind the Rockies and the Indians at innings pitched per game start. And I think that's an important number to look at this year with um, – you think about the Braves, for example, just taxing that bullpen every single night. A lot of teams have had that problem early on as I did a little more research on it. Um, but to get your starters deep into those games and save those bullpen arms in a shortened season where now I've kind of been proven wrong, maybe these injuries have a little something to do with the awkward start to the season. Um, but if you look at last year, and this is this blew my mind. Thank you, Fangraphs, for being such a wonderful website. I love that place. I don't know if you guys get on there very often. But um, in 2019, through about the first three and a half weeks of the season, which is about where we are now, about 24 games or so, 27 teams had starters had a starters average of at least five innings pitched per start. So their starters were getting deep in, deeper into games, um, you know, given it at worst, bullpen had to eat four innings a game. So far in 2020, only seven teams are at that clip at five innings pitched per start. So you're talking about a 20-team drop-off as far as starters go, not getting deep into games. And we're all – well, I won't say we're all, but three-fourths of the podcast tonight are Braves fans. The Braves went from averaging five, five and about two-thirds innings per start uh, to 4.1, so about four innings per start. And that's from 15th in the league to 26th. But, yeah, there's, there was only seven teams this year, and I don't have them listed. I should have. But only seven teams are getting quality innings out of their starters, getting deep into games. So if you are a Braves fan and you're listening to this podcast and you're worried about the rotation, you, you should be, especially with Kyle Wright getting uh, sent down again today. It's not as big a deal as I think it should. It, it, it's not as big a deal as it maybe looks. But this is a problem across all of baseball, um, and it has to be addressed. The bullpens are having to eat a lot of the innings. Um, that's just – that's where we are. Anyway, that's an elongated number four of our power rankings. Uh, number five, hottest team in baseball behind the Oakland A's is the Tampa Bay Rays. Three-game sweep of the Yankees. Brendan Lau, AL Player of the Week. In that one week, he hit 448 with four homers, 10 RBIs, and 1.5 OPS. Uh, and then – he had a three-run homer against the Yanks on Tuesday. Um, could the Rays win the division? That's still up in the air. I think it really depends on how the Yankees heal. Um, but right now, they look like – you said they were in first, right? They took over first last yep. night? Yep. So, I mean, they're in the driver's seat. So, we'll see. Lost Brennan, uh, Brennan McKay. Didn't he recently go down with an injury? Uh, I don't know about that. I'll have to look at that. I haven't heard. Yeah. Anyway, J.D., power rankings, what you got? Top five. Mine's not going to differ too much from Ben's here. I just think I got a different order. I'm going to say the Dodgers are uh, definitely number one for me. Um, we expected them to be there. They've maintained that. They've been healthy. Their pitching is uh, here lately has been excellent with uh, Dustin May, who's really stepped up this year. Uh, Kershaw and 
Bueller. And then obviously, like Ben said, their lineup is just dirty. Um, even with Bellinger not producing at a MVP level like he did last year, uh, Betts has really picked up that slack. And it, I mean, Bellinger's still a threat to uh, to hit a homer at any time in that lineup. So definitely Dodgers number one. I went with the Rays number two. Um, I, I, I thought about putting the A's and even maybe the Yankees here, but the Rays, as I said, I think might be the second best team in the AL. You've been pumping and, them all year, and they might they might end up finish second, finishing second in the division because they have to play the best team in the NL when or the AL when healthy, and that's the Yankees. But I'm going to put uh, plug them in at two right now due to due to their health and how they've been playing lately. And I'm going to go three with the A's. Um, definitely got to be in the in the top five. Um, I don't know how long they can sustain it uh, with their pitching, but it seems to be working right now. And Bob Melvin, as I've said, is a pretty good manager. So I'll put them at three, four. I got the Yankees, uh, even with the injuries, they're still sitting right behind the Rays who have been playing great lately. And uh, five, I'm going to go with the twins. Um, I didn't put the Cubs in here just because I don't know how, how uh, long the Cubs pitching holds up. Um, with their bullpen being as bad as it is, it, it gives me concern that guys that are older and have had injuries, Lester, uh, Darvish. They, they definitely need Baez to get over the Mendoza. I, I think they need to add a, a big bullpen arm or even uh, maybe look to Cleveland at Mike Clevenger or a Plezak, depending on how that situation goes. And I don't, we didn't talk about that earlier. Did but not. Uh, yeah. It's a weird right now. It, it is. Um, I don't see how the, the the Indians can 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 trade those guys. I think, especially if they've got a couple more years of control. That's I'd look at them. Yeah, but they're they're also their offensive lineup needs help. So maybe they badly. Do. Yeah, badly. I mean, Shane Bieber's the the bona fide ace of that staff. He's been nasty this year. Yeah. And uh, Savali went nine innings last night, a one run ball. Yeah, I mean, I, they've got they've got arms in that rotation, so I think they can probably give one of those up to a team like Atlanta, a team like Chicago, who who have got hitters, but maybe not as much pitching. So, yeah. well, and that, and if it's true that the Indians' teammates have have said their their piece about Clevenger and Plesac and wanting them out of there, then it, it it's the same thing kind of with Bauer. They 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 were kind of sick of his act and got rid of him. It, it may come down to something like that with those two guys too. It, it just depends on how much that brings the price down. Because if a team goes into mm-hmm. negotiations knowing that, you know, they want the, the, the team, the Indians team, as far as the players go, want those two guys out of the organization. You know, if I'm the Braves, I'm not going to go at them and say, all right, Waters, uh, you know. You're starting and, low. And two I other am. top prospects. I, I mean, will. <laughs> I'll give them Kyle Wright. Then, I'll give them. See, that's Andrew the thing. Though, Kyle Wright has oh, Well, and Enciarte. What? What? I mean, that's not really going to fix their offensive problems in the outfield. <laughs> I think uh, a team like the or Rockies, maybe, even though they've kind of cooled off a little bit, I think they could uh, potentially make a swing right there for that. Sure. But anyway, 
I get, Justin, you got pages of notes. I know you got power rankings. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's hear them before let's... we get into some trivia. Yeah, I've, I've got them. I was getting nervous with JD because ours were about identical until number five, so I'm glad that didn't happen. But uh, number one, like we all had, I've got the Dodgers. I feel like that's pretty unanimous. Uh, yeah. Two, I've got the Rays. They're nine and one in their last ten games. I feel like they're getting hot, so I'm going to put them at two. Three, uh, right with JD, I've got the A's. Four, the Yankees, they dropped down. If I would have been doing this each week with y'all, just the injuries that they've got going on, which y'all done covered everything that I was going to say. And uh, five, I'm sorry, Ben, girlfriend, big Cubs fan. <laughs> oh, no. I, I got to put the Cubs. And after what Campbell did to the cards, <laughs> is he back? I don't know. We'll Some are saying. We'll see if he can keep it hey, going. You know, that's, that's probably his best inning he's pitched in two years, I would imagine. It is. You can yeah. tell a lot that the shirt that she gave me of the Cubs World Series champions, that is straight up an oil rag now for when I change the oil <laughs> in my truck. <laughs> yep, I, but I had to put Cubs five. She wouldn't let me leave the house. So. Uh-huh. But that, oh, that's my five. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, Game Master. JD's got to go hit bombs. So let's do some trivia real quick. We're keeping score now. Last week was like a preliminary round. Preliminary, preseason, get warmed up kind of deal here. Um, But no, we're keeping score from here on out. We got three good questions. I'll be surprised if you get two of them, or I'll be surprised if you get number two right. Um, But I've already alluded to two of them. The third one is kind of a foreshadowing into the later on in the, the podcast. Number one. We're going to let Pinky start it off. Yes, um, the guest goes first. The guest goes first. We'll just go in reverse order of the way my screen is aligned right now. We'll go Pinky, JD, and then Ben for number one. Uh, this one's pretty easy. I feel like Pinky and JD, you better get this one right. Ben, maybe not so much. So we talked about uh, the Seeger brothers homering in the same game on opposing teams. And I had said that the previous time that, that was – that had been done was in 2001 uh, by Cesar and Felipe Crespo for the Padres and Giants. But I'm wanting to know if you guys know who were the last two brothers to homer in the same game as teammates? Well, I only know my limited baseball knowledge. I only know one set of brothers. So I'm going to go with the, uh, the Upton brothers, Justin and BJ. I don't All know right. if that's correct or not. Locking that in for your answer. I'll, I'm going to write I'll these down so I don't. All right. So he's going Upton brothers. And they've only – they've played on the Padres and the Braves. You want to take a stab at pa- Were they on the Padres together? Yeah. For a that. season. Yeah. Hmm. I'm going to so, say Braves. Just they, they've got a, a good – You're picking the questions. Size. All right, J.D., <laughs> what – uh. What do you think? Last two brothers got, homer together. I've also uh, like uh, Justin. I've got Justin Upton and Mr. Melvin Upton, <clears throat> Jr. Melvin yes, Upton Jr. Um, for the Braves. All right, Benjamin. I, I mean, that, uh, Justin, even with limited, as he said, baseball knowledge, I don't <laughs> think that's true. I think he has good baseball knowledge, but I can't think of another set of brothers that have played together recently at all maybe the molinas at some point i thought about chase and uh travis darno but they didn't ever play on the same team Ah. i I think it i think it has to be the uptons so locking all three we're locking in uptons yeah i I think that's it's gotta be on the money 
both of the uh, Upton brothers. The last time they homered together was September 27, 2014, as members of the Braves. I believe earlier in that year, in April, they both homered in the ninth against the Cubs to walk it off. I think up Justin tied it. tied it and then BJ hit one of his like five that he hit in three years of the Braves to walk it off. All right. So, hey, great start. We're three for three so far. We're batting about like JD did and doesn't <laughs> a thousand. 1,000. All right. This is going to, this is going to catch a lot of you guys right here. Um, we talked about the hottest player in the game, leading MVP getter right now for the NL. Uh, and Fernando Tatis, uh, he is leading the major leagues in home runs, RBIs, runs, and stolen bases. There have only been three players to ever finish in the top three of each of those categories in one season. Can you name all three? Oh, gosh. Oh, Lord. Ben, you're leading <laughs> us off here. So we're looking for. Oh, Emma? Yes. We're <laughs> oh. looking for the top three. Uh, we're okay, looking what for is three players that have finished in the top three for one season, and the stats are home runs, RBIs. So those are heavily runs, tied RBIs. together. Okay. Runs and stolen bases. So, okay. So they they finished top three. They didn't necessarily lead the league. They didn't have to. So no, they didn't have to lead the league uh, in those things. Well, first off, I mean, I, it's Bonds has to be one of them. I, right. I feel like that's a lot. Very Bonds. Uh, home runs, RBIs, runs. He's intentionally walked a thousand times a season <laughs> and and he but when he was getting that i don't know how many bases he stole i'm still gonna say bonds though uh-huh. i feel like that's the best one of the best guesses i could have all right um my second gut instinct is willie mays okay i'll say willie and <sighs> oof. This is hard. This is a hard question. This is a good trivia right here. I don't know how many bases Hank Aaron stole in his career, <laughs> but I know how many home runs he hit and RBIs he had. So I, I'm, I'm going to go with Mays, Bonds, and Hank Aaron. I feel like that's the best guess I can put out there. All right. As far as guys that have power and wheels. All right. We'll uh, we'll go with JD second here. We'll let him now. Is this throughout their career or just in a season? Just in one season, yeah. One okay. Season. And uh, you know, I threw around a couple of names: Bonds, Ricky Henderson, A. Rod. I'm going to go Ken Griffey, Willie Mays, and Mike Trout. Mike Griffey, Mays, Mike Trout. Trout doesn't steal as many bases anymore, but he did early in his career. That's not a bad guess at all. All right, Pinky, let's hear it. Who are your top three? I don't know how good mine are, but I just thought of people that – because the kicker is the stolen bases. Right? Yes. See, that would be Absolutely. my approach. Think so of guys I, who have stolen bases and have a little bit of pop because that's what you I tried to think back of like, okay, so who's hitting the ball but they're getting stolen bases? And I'm just going to say Acuna, Mantle, and Trout. Cunha, Mantle, Trout. I mean, they're all Mantle the same person. One. All the same person, basically. All, the same basically. <laughs> all right, well, um, I guess I could have made it a little bit easier and said if you get two of the three right. But uh, – We'll do out of three. Do like – Yeah, how many did, we get? did anybody get – yeah. Yeah, I mean, someone got two out of three. I'll give them that. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys who they are real quick. That way we'll knock that out. So, Ben – 
you were the one that got two out of the three. Let's go. So Ben and JD both said Willie Mays. Yes, Willie Mays did in fact okay. in 1955 he was first in homers, second in RBIs, third in runs, and third in stolen bases. Uh, the numbers are, I mean, 51 homers, 127. No, nothing really stands out as far as the numbers go. Um, and then Hank Aaron, Ben. Really? Yeah, that I, one as well. Wow. That was a gamble because I really did not know how many bases he stole. Not a lot. He did not. But in 1963, eight years later, he was second, tied for second in homers, first in RBIs, first in runs, third in stolen bases. Again, the numbers are what you would expect for a guy to, to be at that level. Um, but this one was the kicker, and I would have been thoroughly surprised if someone would have got this one right. I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's last name. That tells you how uh, out of the box this is. 1920, George Sisler, Hall of Famer, had he was second in home runs with 19 home runs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tied what year was this? 1920. <laughs> Yeah, uh, hundred years ago, <laughs> nineteen homers, but one hundred and twenty-three RBIs. So he had four less RBIs in Mays, but he had thirty-two less homers. Um, one hundred and thirty-six runs. That was good enough for third. So he barely sneaked in there. And forty-two stolen bases, also third in the MLB. Forty-two stolen bases for third in the MLB. Um, but those are your top three. So Pinkston, sadly. Struck out 0 for 3. Oof. JD, you got Mays right, so you're going to get a point for that. Hey, if anybody is, is going to do it of current players, my money's on either Acuna or Trout to do it now. So yeah, Or Tatis. I mean, he's or doing Tatis. it now. Tatis, yeah. Yeah. Or Betts. Um, Betts could be another Nuki. one. Yeah. Betts would be a, a solid pick. Um, Yelich? Yelich. I mean, he, he, he doesn't steal a ton of bases. I think he stole 30 a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, the thing is, nowadays you don't want your top, your your number one guy stealing bases. I mean, Acuna's been the one really stealing bases. Tatis now, but right, you don't right, want right. guys like Betts and Trout stealing bases and it's being just, out for six weeks about a broken right. finger. It's just spot. a risk. Yeah. Yeah. For right. sure. For sure. But yeah, so that was number two. The final trivia question this week. Um, we talked about Craig Kimbrell just a little bit, and I just gave away one of the answers. So way to go, Blake. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so other than Craig Kimbrough, I guess I could lead it off this way. That would that would help because he's the obvious answer anyway. Uh, so Craig Kimbrough recorded his 347th save yesterday in a seven inning game against the Cardinals. There are two other active relievers with 300 or more saves. Who are they? We're going to let JD go first because he hasn't went first yet today. He's went second. Um, so there's two other relievers with 300 plus saves. I, I want it known that I had Craig Kimbrell on my list before Blake. That's uh, fine. Ruined that. That's so fine. Just, just, just note that because um, I'll probably get these other two wrong. Um, I'm confident on one, not so confident on the other. Um, I went with Mark Melanson as one of them. All right. He's been around the Big block. Mark. And I really can't pinpoint – I thought about Kenley Jansen, but I don't feel like he's reached that milestone yet. He's been on some really good Dodgers teams in the past couple years. Um, but I'm going to go with Chapman. Chapman. Ooh, that's a good guess. All right. We're going to let – 
Uh, Pinky go next. He went last round. Last round. So, who are your other two relievers here, Pinky? I don't know. <laughs> you took my camera <laughs> on. Uh, I took I took your lock, didn't I? Yeah, <laughs> he even he even me something same about here. the trivia here. Is like, well, I know what one of them is, and I was like, I'm not saying I'm not saying nothing. I'm yeah. not saying anything. Before the pot, they'd say I have one locked in. Uh, I don't know, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna copy JD, and I'm gonna say the oh, one he's one. tying himself to no, the JD train. I'm gonna, say, I'm gonna use the one he didn't say. I'm gonna say uh, Jansen. Okay, and then. I don't have a third. I don't know. <laughs> throw somebody out there. Mm. I don't care if you copy me. Yeah, uh, yeah put my fine. third down is what he says. <laughs> Chapman or Melanson? Yeah, Chap. Give me Chapman. Chapman. Oh, I wrote that under Ben's name. All right, so, so we got Jansen and Chapman. Ben, who you got? Okay, so I, I actually think Justin is right here. I think that Jansen – I. I think he has at least 300. It's going to be close, but I think he's got 300. He's been on so many good Dodgers teams. He's been a solid lockdown closer for for seasons now. I think Jansen's won. J.D. saying Chapman, I want to say Chapman, but I think it's another guy. And, J.D., you know this because when we were playing in our league, you said there's on MLB The Show – he said, there's a guy that I'm friends with. He's been a, a Rays. Rays are his AL team. Rays have been my AL team since I fell in love with them when they went to the postseason, the World Series in 2008 against the Phillies in a, a snowstorm World Series. And they signed a guy a couple years later that is still pitching, I believe, for Houston now, Fernando Rodney, and he had 50 <laughs> saves. He had 50 saves for the Rays, and he's been doing it for so long. I feel like he's got to have at least 300 now. So I was going to go with Jansen and Rodney. I was trying to just think. I was like, there's got to be some old fart out there. It's like the numbers. <laughs> well, he, he's like the setup guy in case all these other guys I mean, get hurt. It, Rodney's not getting many saves anymore, but he's. He's got a few in the past few years. I think he's got – I feel like he's got to be over 300. It may be close, but I think he's got 300. He's the Jamie Moyer of relievers. He is. <laughs> Just racking them up because of age. All right, well, somebody got both of them right, and that oh. was Benjamin. Ah, yep. Let's go. Yep, yep, yep. So – if we look at the, the standings for active stage leaders right now, obviously Craig Kimbrell at 347 gave that one away, which I feel like most people would have got that anyway. Um, number two is Fernando Rodney. Wow. 327 saves. In oh, his that's career. more than I thought he would have had. I thought he would have been right, hovering around 300. 17 seasons. 17 seasons is how he got to that number. And number three, Kenley Jansen. So, everybody but J.D. got a point on that one. Uh, you, so, Melanson. <laughs> Melanson is actually a lot higher up than I would have thought. Um, I kind of tried not to smirk whenever you said that because I was like, there's no way. There's no way he's even got 150. But he actually has 198 career saves. Dude was dominant um, with Pittsburgh for yeah. a while there. He was on a he was on a good Pittsburgh team, and then he was on Giants teams that, granted, they were fading out. I just I, I guess I I don't think of Kenley Jansen as being around for that long. You know, you, you I'm th- thinking of question I'm thinking is injury of, history too. Yeah, maybe it would be reserved. Well, how old is Jansen? He's is he just over thirty, right? He's uh, thirty two. 
Yeah. Him and Kimbrell came up the same time. They're both 11 years pro, 32 years old. Chapman, another popular pick, same age as both of those He's guys. He's got to be close to 300. 273. He's actually a little bit further back than I would have would have thought. Well, um, when he came up with Cincinnati, he was originally a starter. So he didn't move to the until a couple years, I think, if I remember correctly. So we'll uh, we'll tally those scores up. But the winner this week is Ben getting the home run question right, getting two out of three on the second question and getting both. So that puts him up to five points on the year. And, Pinky, we're just going to keep a guest tally um, for our third slot. That way, you know, if you come back, you can contribute to that if we have another person to hop on. Yeah, I like um, But, Pinky, that gave you three points for the day. And, J.D., that gave you three as well. So we had a tie for second place. But it's right. fun, guys. That was a little – Those were good. Fun I, like segment. I love the trivia segment now. That's probably have- my new favorite segment. I have to give credit to uh, MLB.com. I can't remember the writer who wrote the article about the Tatis leading the league, um, but that's where I got that question from. So, Cool. All right. Well, uh, we're going to take a quick break. I think J.D. J.D. about to bounce and go hit some dingers, right? I got to go, boys. Got to go. Good as always good. to have you on, man. Always. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We'll see you next time, fellas. Hey, absolutely. Swing. <laughs> Three oh, I, oh I, I always swing. I never walk. I only got one walk this year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the yeah. base coast, and I'm breathing. That means swing. That's my sign. <laughs> yeah. Same here, boys. We'll see you. Right. Good luck, buddy. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we get back, we're gonna get to those unwritten rules. I think all three of us are gonna be a little heated on this. Um, <laughs> might, hey, we <laughs> might bring back Roche's rant. We I might. mean, I'm gonna have a Roche's rant if he doesn't <laughs> have one. Uh, I'm excited to talk about that. So stick with us, and we will be right back. back into infield fly all right guys it's time to talk about some unwritten baseball rules they've been all over the news this week and if you're not a a baseball diehard like the three of us are you may not know some of these unwritten rules and my favorite thing that i've heard in these last this last week since tatis did what he did was that uh it's been said by multiple folks but they're unwritten rules because if you saw them written down, you think they're absolutely moronic and some of them, they absolutely are. And I think that the three of us will agree on, on a few of these being dumb and need to be done away with a few of them. We've never even heard of before. Um, But before we get into Tatis and stuff, we want to just talk about a few, a few of these unwritten rules. Let you guys know if you're not a, a baseball diehard, what some of these things are. If you see some baseball players getting upset because something was done on the baseball field and you're wondering why, this might be it. Okay? So the first, the first one that we want to get right off the top, no bunting, no bunting in a no-hitter. That's one, me personally, I, I pitched my whole life. You, you don't do. Okay, you don't do. If, if it's in the fourth inning, third inning, early in the game, absolutely 100% try to bunt, try to get a base hit. But once you get into those deep innings and, and everybody knows what's going on, 
no-hitters being thrown, a perfect game's being thrown. You do not bunt. Yeah, I mean, not saying like I'm taking I'm a professional or anything, but I never was a pitcher. I mean, I never could pitch. So like hitting is my not my thing, but it's like I understand the hitter's perspective a lot more than the pitcher. And even as a hitter, like that's embarrassing to bunt with a no hitter because you're you're saying I can't you're hit giving you. up. You're giving up. I can't up. hit you, so let me just try to squeeze my way on. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think I would I might say all, but I would say like ninety percent of baseball people would agree that that you just don't do that. It would have to be a very specific time for it to happen. I'm talking like game on the line, end of the season. If we're talking playoffs, zero zero game. No, that's a different story. Like I agree with you, but it's not. That role is not 100 percent of the time. Like 95 percent of the time, I agree with that role 100 percent. But if it comes down to winning and moving on, bunt the ball out at first, score the run. Oh yeah, if it if it's if it's do or die situation, then everything's and I, all of this is right. out the window. I think a sacrifice situation. I, that's not necessarily what we're talking about. We're talking about yeah. slap bunt for a hit right. to break yep. up the no no. And, and with that, I'm with y'all on that. Yeah, so. for sure. Now this next one that we got on the list is one that is near and dear to my heart, and I am Team Dallas Braden all the way. If you're a batter and you make an out. You do not even come close <laughs> to that pitcher's mound. That is the pitcher's turf. Sacred that is territory. the pitcher's territory. And Alex Rodriguez, you can shove it right where the sun don't shine. You do not step on that mound ever. Yeah, I mean, like I said, hitter's perspective. I don't understand why you would even why you would even do that. I mean, I, I don't understand. Unless it's just out of sheer stupidity or unknowingness of the game. It's not even to me so much of an unwritten rule. It's just like there's no point respect. in it. It's respect. It's, and if yeah. you're thinking about it, most of the time that guy's coming from first base. I would say about 95% of the time you get out at first – maybe less than that. About 85% of the time you get out at first base, you pretty much know you're going to be out before you get there. So yeah. you're not even all the way down the line. And you got to think about that's kind of the angle you got to be at for it to even be an option. If you're halfway down the line, you're not even close to the mound going back to the dugout on the other side. Yeah. So, you yeah, went I mean, out of your way to go to the mound. Yeah. Now, you're Pinky is more of an insti- instigator, so it wouldn't surprise <sighs> me if he was the guy that would do that. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to your mound. <laughs> you're right, but I would never do that. Yeah. yeah. He got me out. He beat me. Go around the mound, get back, take him deep next at bat. And I'll, y'all, uh, y'all, throw the bat up in the stands, but don't step on his mound. Oh, yeah. No. Well, the next Never. one, Ben, A-Rod has done this one as well. Yes. And that's when you're on base and running, and there's a pop fly in the infield, and you yell something to try to throw them off. A-Rod did that to Tampa a few years ago, and he tried to get away with it, but there's cameras everywhere, and you can hear him – or you can see him turn and yell – at the third baseman. I think it was Longoria yeah. at the time. But, I mean, another thing, like, that one's worse than walking on the mound, obviously. But, like, it, it's being a douche is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Like, yelling it, from, yelling it from the dugout is different. I mean, I still don't like it. I don't like it when the high school kids do it. Yeah. But you're on the field to play. Like, you could easily mistake a runner for, you know, someone else on the Your field. Your teammate. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, no. Uh, but can we all agree here that A Rod is just douche? A <laughs> Rod is just a douche. We're changing the segment. And he's a terrible, <laughs> he's a awful announcer on the ESPN. Yeah. We said this the other day. He, I think I said it on the last podcast that he said Mike Yastrzemski is the future of the Giants organization. The guy's 29 and change. Yeah. Late bloomer. Yeah. This, this is an anti A Rod uh, podcast. <laughs> For, for sure, for sure. Um, now, these next couple are some that, well, I mean, obviously, you don't talk about a no-no. You don't talk about a perfect game. Right. Um, you never make the first or third out at third. That's that's something that, that should be common sense. If you're at second, you're in scoring position. There's no need to take that extra bag. Uh, Two outs at second, most guys are scoring, so there's no, no point in right. getting that exactly. extra base. And now these next couple, before we get into the Tatis thing, this is one that Blake said he'd never heard of. I've never really heard of either. Um, but you don't walk in front of the catcher when going up to bat. So if you're crossing the batter's box to go to the other side, you don't walk in front of the catcher. What that brings to mind to me is when the Cardinals and Reds got in a huge brawl. And, and it wasn't because Phillips walked in front of the catcher, but he did a – he always tapped the shin guards of Yachty and the ump on his first at-bat just say, hey, you know, I got you. And the day before was when he said he hates the Cardinals with filled, in an expletive-filled rant. And then he tapped Yachty's shin guards. And you know, he's like, hey, don't tap my shin guards after you just said you hate me which led to the brawl, which led to Johnny Cueto kicking Jason LaRue in the head and ending his career. Oh. That's, what I, that's what I thought of. But that's one I have never heard of before was don't walk in front of the catcher. But that's just another respect thing. And I said it in the break, too. This is something like I, I never even I, – I never knew it was a rule, but I'm never even really – I don't know. I guess it was just instilled early on and I forgot about it. You just walk behind the catcher. Like you just – you don't walk. Yeah. It almost feels like there's an invisible boundary there that you don't even know about, like, which thankfully, you know, where I played it in high school, you know, I'm a right-handed batter. We're on the third base side. So that never even was that big of an issue. But I mean, it's, it's one of those where I don't think it's as big a deal if somebody were to do it as yeah. well. I say that, but apparently some of these other ones I don't know about were a big deal, but yeah, I thought that was just one of the things that as you're learning baseball, it's like, Hey, when you walk up there from this side, walk around them, get up on your side. Yeah. Practice swing and go. Yeah. So, for sure. But my favorite, though, of this one, I'm going to interject here. I don't know if go this is going to get mentioned or not. I want to make sure it gets thrown out there. If you're the center fielder, you have priority over every person on the baseball field for the fly ball. I don't yes. care. I don't care if it's in the dirt. You you have to – and this isn't really an unwritten rule, I guess. It's more of a teaching uh, trade. But, like, I tell my outfielders – you know, the priorities work inside, out, up, down. So, obviously, an infielder running out for a fly ball is going to have a harder time than an outfielder running in. But usually in center field is your best defensive player. So, you want right. him going after the ball. And the reason I threw that one in there is because I think it was it was this weekend, I feel like. May, I don't know if it was in the Cardinals game. It may have been before that. Luis Robert basically ran to where Eloy Jimenez <laughs> was standing to catch a fly ball. Yes, yes. Yeah, so – and I, I admittedly have done that a few times. But, I mean, it's – a center fielder, you know, you want him going after the ball. He's and, in and, center and, and for it a helps, reason. And it helps knowing that going in because then if two guys are calling for the ball, how do you make that decision who gets the ball? Well, you got to know in the back of your mind, well, all right, well, if the guy to my left – if you're in left or the guy to my right, 
and, and you're in right, calls it, you know, he's got priority. He he gets the ball, I'll back him up. So Yeah, he's in center for a reason. Uh, this is one that I just saw on our list. If you're an adult fan and you catch a ball and you don't give it to the kid, you're a piece of crap. I'm a and piece also, of crap. I'm not following that. I'm sorry. If you're an adult – if you are over 12 years old, do not bring your freaking glove to the ballpark yes. either. Pump that. Yes, yes. More steam on catch that one. Catch it barehanded do or not, you catch it in your beard. If you That's are a 30-year-old man and you bring your glove, I'm sorry. That That I, is I'm, – oh. I'm willing to say once you graduate high school, you can't bring your glove anymore. I'm willing okay. to say 18 and younger because I've took mine when I was 16. But <laughs> – <laughs> I've seen plenty of grown men with gloves. Yeah. I'm like, the the, on, the dude, guy on YouTube who catches all the fly balls has oh, yeah. like over 2,000 takes a glove. Foul ball guy? Yeah. Yeah, he caught one over me in Yankee Stadium. when I. Was Are you serious? There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was about two rows behind me. I think it was Correa hit a home run to right field where we were sitting about two rows back, and foul ball guy caught it right behind us. Wow. I have to admit to something. This is embarrassing, but I'm going to throw it out there. I went to a Braves Brewers game two years ago. Eric Thames, the man is jacked, all right, threw a after-inning warm-up ball, if you will, straight to me, hit my left hand, <laughs> fell down two rows in front of me. Oh, no. Girl, I've yet to get a foul ball or any type of baseball at a baseball game. This is why I say for the adult fans, if you get the ball, you freaking keep it. Screw the kids. I won't say <laughs> what should be said. Screw the kids. You keep that I'm ball. Kids. <laughs> well, I don't want to flex, but I have a foul ball thrown by John Smoltz against the oh, Nets when I was dang, younger. Just dropped the, the new first signature card today. John Smoltz. So, love it. I yeah, love that it. sucker is in a case. I didn't oh, catch man. it, though. The bat boy caught it, turned around, and flipped it to me, but. It, hey, it, counts. Uh, it counts for sure. I went home with it. My sister was jealous, so she stole the Bat Boy's towel, I believe, after the game. But uh, uh, I think the statute of limitations is up on that. So I love it. Yeah. That's why baseball is great. You don't <laughs> get footballs from an NFL game. You don't get basketballs from LeBron James. You get baseballs from John Smoltz, though. But, guys, we got to talk about it. Fernando Tatis, he's been all over the news because he swung at a 3-0 pitch and hit a grand slam the other night against the Texas Rangers. And I, when I woke up the next morning and I saw that this was news, I was stunned because I have never heard of the unwritten rule of not swinging on a 3-0 pitch up big. If you are a pitcher, first of all, don't get into three zero count, especially when you're down one. seven runs or whatever. That's rule number one. You should be pumping <laughs> strikes. The Chris Woodward is an absolute loser, and you know who's even a bigger loser than him is freaking Jace Tingler, not having his player, the best player on his franchise in years, back and throwing him under the bus for swinging three zero pitch. That is inexcusable to me. Fire him. And for me, seeing these guys like Johnny Bench and other older folks come out, not Keith Hernandez, because he's being a little – I can't say the word on this podcast about it, but guys like – I just forgot the name. Johnny Bench did one. Someone else did another. And then Manny – Dale Murphy tweeted out about it, which he's not as known. 
But. Manny Acta had a quote from Frank Robinson when he was coaching third base and held up a runner at third in Montreal. He said, Frank Robinson grabbed me by the ear after the game and said, son, you only have enough runs when you're in the shower after a win. You do not hold a runner at third. You never have enough runs. And we saw it tonight. Philly blew a 7 nothing lead. I was furious to see that Woodward and Tingler were upset with Tatis, but I was so happy to see the rest of baseball and fans absolutely had his back. I mean, you just hammered it home right there. I mean, we might as well just move on. (laughs) I told you I was going to have a rant tonight. (laughs) So I tried looking up how many times a team has come back from seven, seven runs or more. Um, it was harder than I thought to figure out because on baseball reference, which is that and fan graphs are where I get most of my stats from. It, it goes by regular scene comebacks go not really by score per se, but expected win expectancy. But I think I counted 40. Let me recount real quick. Uh, there have been after tonight now 41 ish games, not not after time. There've been 40 comebacks in the sixth inning or later of seven runs or more. Especially with the way the ball flies now. Especially with – I just watched the White Sox go back to back to back to back the other night. It could happen in the blink of an eye. And it it doesn't even really matter about the whole, well, they could come back. Like you said, don't get in a 3-0 count when you're down seven. With the bases loaded, if anything, you're about to get taken out of the game and now they're going to have to burn another bullpen arm on you. Throw strikes. Yeah, they might hit a couple out, but odds in baseball are you're going to get 70% of the guys out. So, I I, I don't want to hammer it too home because, Ben, you, you really crushed it there. But I, I'm, I was pissed about it. I, I didn't even know it was a rule or unwritten rule, I guess. So, it's just all so confusing to me because the clout that it got also kind of was confusing because – the managers didn't like it. They were the only ones mad but about it. They were the only no ones No one mad. else was mad, so why? I don't know. Well, last year, the Rangers intentionally dropped a pop-up. Yes. Mike Miner get his 200 strikeout in the Red Sox, and it was 7-5 on the top of the ninth with one out. Like, if you're going to do that, you can't complain when a guy hits the best thing in baseball, a grand slam, what every yeah. kid lays in his bed and dreams about to get up at the plate and hit a grand slam. As long as you don't pass the runner going to second base, it's the yeah. greatest feeling in the world. <laughs> Rochelle knows from experience. I watched yes. it happen. So did Ben. It's the greatest thing in baseball. Like, don't complain about it. Like Ben said, throw strikes. If you don't like it, strike him out, sit him down, whatever. Mm. Oh, and that man. was the second it, homer it, it, of the game. How many guys are going to have multi, multi, multi-game home runs? In a season, like yeah. you can't, and it's it's all. And I saw, I don't remember. It may have been Bench who tweeted out. So so if he does take the three zero count for three one, all right. Let's say he fouls off I've the three one. Yeah, let's hear the tweet. For yeah, me. go ahead and throw it out there. He said, "So you take a pitch. Now you're three one. Then the pitcher comes back with a great setup pitch. You're three two. Now you're ready to ground out into a double play. Every, he said, "Everyone should hit three zero. Grand slams are a huge stat." Yeah. Johnny Bench himself. I, you think oh. about this. This is how things happen in baseball. Let's say Tatis does strike out there. Is it that big a deal? No. 
All right, well, then let's just say maybe he strikes out his next at bat just because it's a good pitch. Now we're starting to talk about how there could have been a chain reaction of him just because he didn't swing 3-0 because it's some unforeseen, unwritten rule that we have to follow now. The other thing is, too, it's not like the pitch was grooved right down the middle. I mean, yeah. it was on the outer half of the plate. He had to go out and get it, and he hit it the other way. Yeah. I mean, it would make a little bit more sense if he just threw a fastball right down the middle and he hit it, you know, he pulled it down the line. But, no, this is – I'm not going to say a good pitch. a good piece of hitting. I mean, it yeah. was a fantastic piece of hitting because the kid is a stud. And, you're, and we haven't even mentioned this, but the whole motto for the league last year was let the kids play. And I'm 100% I am on the record on Twitter, on Facebook, on this podcast, on Instagram, probably somewhere where I have been adamant about people ripping Acuna for watching his home runs and being the only one essentially ripped for doing so. I'm all about letting him fl- – I love the flair. I love I love Soto's little shimmy that he does at the pitcher. I have no issues with that. I have no I, – I would venture to say I have no issues of anybody staring a home run down. But now we can't swing 3-0, which is something that I feel like is even under, under that. We're cool with them watching home runs. We're cool with them, you know, shimmying in the batter's box. But we can't swing it a 3-0 strike? Are you kidding me? Yeah. You can't and, play and, the game? Now you can't yeah. play the game. And here's the thing, just to build off that, the young guys that are pitchers, if you ask them, if you ask Trevor Bauer, if you ask Jack Flaherty, Walker Bueller, they're perfectly fine with people bat flipping now. It's the old heads that are, are, are making this an issue. And it's so funny because nowadays, just in general, people talk about the younger generation being snowflakes. But in baseball, it's absolutely the opposite. The old guys are the ones that get so tore up about this stuff. And I, I, I believe that the young guys, they're, they're fine with bat flips because if you're a pitcher, we've seen Bauer and those guys take K-struts around the mound. And I absolutely would do it too if I struck out a guy. I'm taking Quato. that lap around the mound. Cueto was a little shimmy after a strikeout. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Let them enjoy the game. I mean, that's why this game doesn't grow is because well, we have all can't. these stupid unwritten rules and these old people trying to tell all the kids that they have to play like it's 1920 and wear a suit and all this bull crap. Let them have the flair. Let them wear T-shirts and shorts, Joe. Uh, Joe, whatever your name is, it's on the Braves radio broadcast now. I got fired because he's a moron. Joe Simpson, I don't know why I could. I was just, I'm so tore up, I couldn't even think of his name. If but you want you people said, to watch baseball, you've got to let them have the flair. You've yeah, got to let them have fun. Well, because baseball has down parts of the game. It has moments where the game can get slow and can be considered boring from an average viewer. So you have to amplify those moments when it is electric. And one way to not do that is to not let guys hit homers on 3-0 up 7 you're, it's like you're turning the volume down on the game. It's like, nah, that's a little too much for us. That's not what baseball needs right now. You talked about Trevor Bauer. He tweeted this about Tatis the night that it happened. He said, keep swinging a 3-0 if you want, no matter what the situation is. Keep hitting homers, no matter what the situation is. Keep bringing energy and flash to baseball and making it fun. The only wrong thing you did was apologize. Stop that. Yes. Yes. So, yes. I mean, we are adamant. for cheating. Just yes, say yes. That. <laughs> we are adamant about we're full team Bauer now, and that's just hammering his his <laughs> his points down even further. Yeah, uh, it's uh, I have nothing else to say on the matter. <laughs> I, 
It got me fired up when I saw it that morning. I'm glad we're all on the same page. I think most of baseball is on the same page. Cut it out. Just um, want to get those thoughts out there, though. We did. We did. And go over any other unwritten rules that, that are out there that maybe you might be confused about if you're watching a baseball game. But before we, before we get to the end of this podcast, we do have Mr. Justin Pinkston finally joining us tonight. It's been a long time. He's been trying to get on with us. We finally worked him in. He's been a patron since day numero uno, giving us a lot of great ideas for the pod, and we finally got him on. Big Braves fan. Uh, also a, a smidgen of a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, I think, because he's a Pens fan and a Steelers fan. Um, but we're glad to have you on tonight, Justin. We got to talk about uh, we got to talk about the Tonight Show, yeah. a clip clip that Jimmy went Fallon. on Jimmy Fallon yeah Blake I think you've prepared probably more for this interview with Justin than I have I wouldn't say more prepared but I've got a couple of things I'd like to I got I actually have the clip from the tonight show cut so uh I'll be sure to add that in uh how about right here <laughs> finally finally this isn't good wildlife officials in Tennessee discovered a bald eagle that had eaten so much it was too full to fly <laughs> And never before has there been a greater symbol of America. We have a great show, everybody. So, Pinkston, shout out on the national stage. Your name wasn't mentioned, but, I mean, once you saw it shared on Facebook, everybody you knew knew that was you. What, what is kind of like – I know, like I said, he didn't mention your name, but you felt like you got some clout then, right? Like you felt pretty uh, good. I mean, the whole video was on every news station in Tennessee and North Carolina. Yeah. And – uh. If people don't know what we're talking about, uh, I'm a state wildlife officer in Tennessee, game warden, as you wish. So if you're a, a poacher or a lawbreaker, now would be a good time to leave the podcast. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyways, I rescued, quote unquote, a 24-year-old bald eagle that had gorged itself so full that it couldn't fly one night. And it had a band on it, and it dated back to being 24-year-old, older than I was at the time by a couple months and it made national news jimmy fallon cracked a joke on it uh but it's just a really once in a lifetime experience so and you said you said it gorged itself so full it couldn't fly what what could a bald eagle eat that would make it so full i mean does it just sit there and just eat worms i mean because uh, an average person <laughs> when they think about an eagle you know we see the mama bird bringing the worms back to the nest like what does a bald eagle even eat so much that would keep it from flying? Because, I mean, that's, so, that's what birds do. They fly. So bald eagles, uh, they're mostly scavengers like most uh, predatory birds, raptors. But when they come across a carcass, this one could have come across a deer or something that was dead, roadkill. And it just ate and ate and ate until it couldn't create lift to get off the ground. So it was basically just hopping and running through the woods and, the lady who called said it was injured. Turned out it wasn't. So we chased it down, caught it, gave it some time to digest its food and get to where it could take off and fly. So I got you. So you said it was tagged, I think, what did you say, 2014? No, it had a leg band on it, and it made it back once we got the information. It was tagged as a as a baby, and it was 24-year-old. Oh, so, 24. That's okay. So Yeah. So, so is this like a normal thing for bald eagles or animals? Like, do you guys – when you see a nest, you just go out and put the band on it so you can keep so up with endangerment and all that good stuff? Or So that's biologist work. Uh, uh, there's a lot of animals that can be tagged. Uh, most birds, if they're doing studies on them, 
like a dove, for example, their band dove or waterfowl. And if they band it, say, here in, I don't know, Cookville, Tennessee, they band a mallard. And it flies to Louisiana and gets killed this winter. And they can track, oh, well, this bird flip was here and it flew to there. I got you. They band them to identify them. If one shows up dead, they can figure out where it went. But this one came from somewhere here in East Tennessee and ended up. uh, A local. Yeah. He didn't move too far, but he lived 24 years, which is pretty. I think they only average in the wild about 15 to 20. Really? Old, massive bird. Wow. So, I mean, are bald eagles – now, I've always heard that it was illegal to kill them. Is that a thing or is that a myth? Correct. It is. It's our national bird. So, you cannot shoot a bald eagle. (laughs) I'm not saying I would. They're majestic. Like, like I would never kill one. I've only seen one in my life. Um, That was down at – I think that was down at David Crockett State Park. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, I had – strong birds. I was going to ask you what the craziest thing you've seen, but, I mean, that – that to me, like, I don't know enough about wildlife, but that to me, you know, getting a bald eagle that's so fat that it can't, and, I mean, and <laughs> you heard it, you heard it in the fouling clip, but I mean, the guy, the guy's really good at his job. Like that is the essence of America, Ob- <laughs> obesity and American patriotism all in one. Um, yeah. Is there anything like, I know there's a lot of stuff you probably can't talk about, you know, for your right. uh, uh, legal like your issues. Job. Is there any I, other I cool have, stories that you got out there for us? If not, it's cool. Like, it, it'd be all right. But Yeah, I've got one, and then I've, I've got a quote that I can end on uh, when we're ready. But uh, like you said, there's some things I can't talk about right now, but there are yeah, great course. stories down the road. But uh, there was one. Uh, I'll explain what the animal is, and then I'll go into it. But there's a such thing as a, a paddlefish. It's paddlebill catfish. They're filter feeders and get massive. If you're curious what they look like, Google a picture of them. They got a massive bill on them. You say paddlefish? Yeah, paddlefish. I'm going to Google that while you're talking. It's in the catfish family. But anyways, uh, they're highly valued for their, uh, basically caviar for their eggs. Uh The only way you can catch them is to snag them. So people are set up with a big grab hook and try to snag them. But one evening we was working a a drowning in Cherokee Lake. Got a call about a boat accident below a dam. So we run up there and, uh, these boys just got to shore. They had flipped their John boat. And uh, so we walked down there making sure that it's okay. And an officer walked up to me who was on the scene before me. said, hey, they got a paddlefish in their boat, like a big one. I said, well, it ain't paddlefish season. I said, let me double check. So I pulled out my book and it's like, <laughs> no, it, it ain't paddlefish season. You can't be snagging them right now. So walked down there and we worked the accident, talked to them, and they lost their phones and stuff. And said, boys, I'm glad you're okay, but we got to talk about the fish. And this, fish is, <laughs> this fish is like 65 pounds. It's almost oh, as wow. big as I am. I'll send y'all the picture in the chat. Well, I'm, I'm looking on Google right now. They look like, like marlins. For anybody who's <laughs> listening, obviously, if you're driving or whatever, you can't Google it. It looks like a, a marlin that would be in there, like the long snout, like, or whatever mm. snout. I'm, Think of a big catfish, but with just a massively long bill. And they're yeah. filter feeders. The but, narwhal so said, of the river. <laughs> so I said, we got to talk about this, boys. I said, paddlefish season's closed. And they admitted to snagging it. So so the mean old game warden gave them a ticket for uh, <laughs> possession of paddlefish and snagging it. Not only season. did they lose their phones, they also got a ticket. <laughs> After flipping their boat and almost drowning, they got a ticket. That's <laughs> so, a tough day. Oh, man. <laughs> so you never know what's going to happen just in my line of work. It's an oh. amazing job, and I love it. But 
you never yeah. know what's going to happen. I just saw the picture you sent us. That thing is massive. It was everything I could do to hold it. Like, yeah. and it, it swam off. It had been out of the water for about two hours, and I spent time afterwards down there in the water with it, trying to get it back to life, and she ended up swimming off. So that that right lived. there is why I don't like swimming in the river, seeing stuff <laughs> like that. Because <laughs> you know that's not the worst thing that's in there. So, um, but yeah, that's cool, man. We really appreciate you being on. Uh, oh, yeah. A lot of cool stories, and I'm sure, you know, you're just getting started, so you're going to have a whole lot more. We'll, we'll have you back on here once you can get some more stories for us or some legal things get settled out. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'll have plenty. But for anybody that doesn't know, uh, State Wildlife Officer, Game Warden, I enforce hunting, fishing, boating. So BUIs, boat wrecks. BUIs mean boating under the influence, so you can't get out and drive a boat drunk on a lake. That's a good way to meet the Game Warden. So if you uh, see if they see you like in the vicinity, they better straighten up. Basically, they best be straight. Yeah, they don't see us because they they just to be pretty stealthy. But uh, don't poach. That's something we do. But my yeah. last quote I'll say is, and this goes for anything if you're going to deal with the game warden. Uh, poachers have to be lucky every day. I just got to be lucky once. True. <laughs> that's that's good. Right on the lake and in the woods. Yes, that's, sir. That's awesome. If you see the green pants coming for you, there's a chance it might be Mr. Payton. Hey, but like he said, you may not see him until he's already got the ticket that's, filled that's out. That's true. He <laughs> he's not. already got one written. He's he coming not. for you. He knows what I've he's doing. i had a couple like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we we definitely appreciate you coming on, and we'll have you back. We'll have you back soon for sure. No, no, I'm honored to be on here. Y'all are doing good work. Uh, tell, every, tell all your friends about the podcast. That's yeah. what I'm going to leave on. If you're listening – Share it on Facebook, Twitter, tell your friends, force them to watch it. <laughs> we, we appreciate that. So right. when, you, when you hear the infield fly, if you're out in the middle of the woods and you're hunting illegally <laughs> and you hear, uh, there's a pop, and Box can't believe it, you better Run. watch out. You better watch <laughs> out because Pinkston is hiding somewhere. <laughs> He's listening to the podcast somewhere in the woods. Yes, sir. Dedicated. Oh man, I love it, Blake. You got some history for us before we I go do. out the door. We're head, we're about seven minutes from the end point, but I got a few things to throw out. So, if you're listening, the day this releases, it's August 21st. We're recording the night before on the 20th, um, but August 21st, baseball and baseball history, pretty monumental. In 1931, Babe Ruth became the first major league player to hit 600 career home runs, um, and obviously he would go on to hit 114 more um, and would be joined later on by I didn't write this down and now I can't remember how many more but I believe it's it's either five or six other players um, in the 600 home run club recently by Albert Pujols yes sir uh, this one really nice. this one is easily my favorite moment in baseball history that I've stated so far but in 1935 at Braves Field Cardinals first baseman Ripper Collins did not first baseman did not make a single put out during the 13-3 nine inning loss to Boston. He said uh, St. Louis infielder who will also not make a put out playing first for the Cubs in a game in 1937 is the only player to have accomplished the rare feat twice in major league. And I'm going to read you guys. If I don't, I'm going to try to read you guys if I have time. All 27 outs of this game. So, for those of you who aren't really baseball savvy, so to speak, 
a first baseman gets a put out when there's a ground out and the ball's thrown to him. He registered the, the out, so therefore he gets out. So that basically, there were no ground outs thrown to first in this game. First inning, line out third, ground out first base to pitcher. And I'll stop there because that's really all as far as I need to go. But the second out of the game, the first baseman, Ripper Collins, fielded a ground ball but tossed it to the pitcher. To the pitcher. Little did he know that would be his only opportunity to record a put out <laughs> the entire game. That's pretty crazy. What a and stat. he's done it twice. That's what's what? insane. So, team uh, man. Yeah. So, I mean, and then a full nine inning game, too, mind you. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Another cool one, Ben, you're a history teacher, so you'll appreciate this one. In 1951, Major General Emmett O'Donnell was selected by the owners to be the new commissioner of baseball. But President Harry Truman overruled the decision, stating the officer is needed in Korea in his post as commander of bombers. So, uh, Emmett O'Donnell, he'd act, he would then later, I mean, later on, Ford Frick would take over and hold the position as commissioner for 14 years. Um, Emmett O'Donnell, he would eventually uh, make his way to uh, some high-ranking position. Another thing I didn't write down, but a little stat there for our Somebody history teacher. Get him to send Manfred off to somewhere. Yeah, yeah we really, need, though. If, I mean, I, <laughs> think, out, I think even the baseball Korea. writers, would, who most of them are left-leaning, would appreciate that from President Trump to get rid of Manfred. Um 1982, this ties back to our trivia, which we had to knock out of the way early for J.D., but 1982, Raleigh Fingers becomes the first player in Major League history to record 300 career saves. Uh, you know, we had the trivia of the three active players with 300 saves. Yep. Um, and then in 1989, Orioles Southpaw Jeff Ballard, he threw 112 pitches while scattering seven hits, throws a shutout without issuing a walk or recording a shutout when he whitewashes Milwaukee at Memorial Stadium 5-0. Uh, the unusual feat of a no-walk, no-strikeout complete game would not occur from 1989 until 2014 by none other than Rick Porcello. Oh, no, why? <laughs> why do we have to mention Rick Porcello on this podcast? <laughs> I hate Rick Porcello. You know this. <laughs> That's some raw, true emotion right there for a man who did not read through all of the slides. Because <laughs> I have Porcello highlighted in the slides just because of that. Oh, Rick Porcello was actually eight months old whenever Ballard threw his uh, shutout in 1989. <laughs> Rick Porcello would eventually go on to win the Cy Young. <laughs> Uh, oh, why? <laughs> a horrible, worst Cy Young winner ever. Oh, my God. Uh, that's it. It's August 21st is a terrible day in baseball history. Not a whole lot going on. <laughs> Too much about Rick Porcello. Just yeah. ruined Ben's day. Yeah. Really, though. All right. Oh, that's man. been a great pod. I have out the door very quickly before we get out of here. It's all about the homer because I watched the Brewers hit four – or the Brewers. The White Sox hit four straight off Roel Ramirez. Can you guys guess how many pitchers in history have given up four straight homers in the same inning before Roel? It's it's small company. So we're just we don't have to know who, just how many. Just how many? Four in a row in the same inning. I mean, obviously in the same inning. Yeah. But four in a row. Three. I'm gonna say 
I'm going to go one over. I'm going to say four. Justin's right on the money. It's four now with Roel, but before him, there's only been three guys to give up four straight homers. Dave Bush for the uh, in 2010, Michael Blazak in 2017, and the last one is Paul Fotenak in 1963. <laughs> have been the only other guys to give up four straight homes. And that's why we've never heard of any of those guys. <laughs> exactly, because they stink. <laughs> yeah. And another one that I had to throw out there, the guy that has given up the most home runs in his career ever is Jamie Moyer. Jamie Moyer. 522 home runs he's given up in his career. Pitched to like age 46 or some ridiculous number just to get yeah. to that feat. Yep. But for sure good All pod right. guys it's been a great pod we're glad to be joined by justin pinkston tonight uh i've been probably this is probably the most fired up i've ever been on a pod <laughs> i think um anything else you guys want to say before we go i think we hit it all pretty good we'll be Thank back in two weeks me on, guys. Yeah. we will we will be back so tune in tell your friends to tune in and we'll be back in a couple weeks on infield fly so we will see you then Peace.